This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you interested in learning more about our church? Go to Bethlehem.Church forward slash south. Well, Dave, careening into 2021, here we are with a special episode of Pastoring Out Loud. Less right. vibrant. Le- less vibrant? Maybe more. Uh, perhaps more. We'll see. So, Dave, what was the first presidential election that you voted in? Let me do some math here. No, it was uh, it was uh, 2004. 2004. Uh, so the second Bush election with John Kerry. Did you uh, did you buy a copy of Unfit for Command? <laughs> nope, I don't know what that is. Oh, okay. Uh, it's the something that was written about uh, John Kerry's time in the military. Oh. Um, I have several copies still. Haven't. Why? Giving them away because I bought a bunch then and they're still sitting around. Well, that's true. I'll take one. I don't have one. Okay. 04 was the same election. I was, uh, yeah, uh, first election, presidential election for me too. And I was working for the Family Research Council. Oh. Uh, kind of get out the vote type efforts. Yeah. Kind of on behalf of the GOP. So uh, very political uh, 16 years ago or so. But that's not what we're here to talk about, Dave. We're here to talk about. <laughs> Our current political moments. <laughs> so I suppose it's connected in a lot of ways. We are, uh, I, I heard that deep intake yeah, of breath. Yep. Yeah, I'm just preparing myself. Okay. Did you get your coffee this morning? No, it's it's brewing in the other room right now. And by brewing, you mean the Keurig. The Keurig. That's not brewing, <laughs> no, Dave. Not. Yeah, that's not brewing. I was late. So we talked uh, a little bit ahead of time. So we were, uh, and hopefully next week we'll release an episode on last things or end times uh, eschatology, Brian Tab, and then several after that. But we thought in light of the riots and um, I'll just call it an invasion of the Capitol last week and in light of the upcoming inauguration and the real possibility over the next two weeks of more civil unrest that we'd release a podcast ahead of time, just briefly addressing some, some thoughts that especially Dave and I certainly have about these current things. So Dave, um, last night we talked for a, a good while, the elders talked for a good while, thinking about different things that have taken place in 2020 and different things that we've seen coming down the pipeline. So, I mean, certainly the pandemic happened, um, mask mandates and other things began to be enforced, and then George Floyd was killed, and there was civil unrest in the in the streets, and then the election came upon us. One thing after another that's felt, I mean, to you and I, yeah. unsettling. Yeah, settling in a lot of ways. Yep. Any any thoughts about just how 2020 kind of leads us into what uh, appears to be more of the same in 2021? Like, is it feeling like presently as you look back, do you feel still kind of like, wow, that was quite the year? Yeah, it's interesting. I think because of the current day and age we live in, you know, it seems like we have three or four new cycles a day. So I, th- I think that it w- the, the interesting dynamic I found for myself is that something that happened two weeks ago can feel like it happened six months ago. Yeah. And so in some ways, it's felt like 10 years in one year, I think, because of the constant barrage. So I think, I mean, one, one of the things I think that's going on for sure in our country as a society, in our church, in my heart, probably in your heart, is there's just a weariness uh, because it's too much you know we're, we're finite human beings and there's a lot going on and we only have so much capacity so i think one of the things that's happened with just the news cycle and 
you know, social media and the ability to hear about things 10 seconds after they happen and opinions form 10 seconds after they happened is everyone's tired. Um, so, you know, I'm just last Wednesday when I'm watching these events unfold, I was actually a little bit late to the game and didn't realize they were happening until I think it might've been you or someone that texted me. I think I, it was me. And I hopped yeah. on and I, I just, yeah, my heart right away, just this mix of, uh, frustration and weariness and oh man you know just just again just not again and yeah, so I think yeah. I think we're all feeling that yeah yeah I think that's a universal feeling regardless of you know political uh, alignment or other things like that is there's a lot and it's a lot to process yeah all the time and in the midst of all that it's not as though there are not like genuine concerns about our current moment so I mean we we talked about this even recently um, so certainly with um, more liberal agenda yeah. um, kind of being pushed between the executive branch and the legislative branch largely being now under the control of the Democratic Party, there are certainly things that we're talking about, thinking about just that are, I mean, in God's you know sovereignty, we don't know exactly what will take place, but probably will head in the direction of reduced religious freedoms probably will head in the direction of an increased uh, amount of sexual revolution uh, outcome. Yeah, perversion. perversion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I think there's just all kinds of things to be concerned about presently. Mm -hmm. If if you're a conservative Christian in America um, and you're seeing uh, kind of this, this progressive agenda ascendant, then you are concerned and I think rightfully so mm-hmm. about what's taking place and what that means for our freedoms being curtailed. You want to speak to that for a second? Just like, would it like knowing that those concerns are genuine and valid and reasonable and that we share them? Yeah. I mean, I, I can, I can totally resonate with people's concerns. You know, I had a, I have not had, I have a dad who worked in politics for a couple of decades. And so I've just, gotten to see uh, a lot of how those games get played and how the policies get worked out. You know, I was an economics <laughs> minor in, in college, and so I have my own thoughts on economic policies and stuff like that. And, and then, uh, then I'm a dad. So, I mean, even where we see some of this play out is just I'm watching a, a football game with my son and, you know, have to have him turn away at almost every commercial that comes on because the – the perversion and the celebration of the perversion and now the legalization of the the things that God says are evil, we're now calling good, and we're displaying it and we're legalizing it. And so, uh, I mean, it, there there are certainly reasonable concerns. And like you said, there's, there are, these these parties do have agendas. Uh, they, they run on them. And so we don't even have to guess at some of the things you alluded to. We know that that's the case, or at least that's the hope for that party and I guess what I would say in this moment, you know, as I talked to uh, my kids in the car the other night and they're wondering about the, the ride at the Capitol and they're wondering about what's going to happen with maybe a new president in power and, and they're wondering about, you know, all these things at their young age. I guess I'd just say here what I tried to say to them. I said, um, one, it's good. It's good to be aware of what's going on and be concerned. It's good to not stick our heads in the sand and just hope nothing bad happens. Two, 
God reigns. And even if America devolves and even if America falls, which I don't, I don't want to see that happen, but even if it does, God's kingdom will not fall. And therefore, you have a king whom you can bring all of those concerns and cares to day by day whose kingdom will never be shaken. Yeah. And, and that's the place where, you know, as I disciple my kids, I, 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 do, I do I as a dad sometimes go, man, what, what kind of world are they going to grow up in? I certainly do. Uh, I, I certainly wonder that. But more than that, I just pray that they would stand on the, on the solid rock that is Christ. And whether it's way better than it was for me, um, God works and and things happen that that would make it a the kind of place i would love them to grow up in or it's a place where persecution and all sorts of ugliness surrounds them Uh, i just my heart for them is there is a king you can trust him you can take your cares to him and he will he will hold you so i think that's the bigger thing right now for all of us for me for my kids for hopefully for our church too that come what may we're a people that's found with Jesus. Yeah, amen. I'm reminded of Hebrews 12. I've said this a few times, but so the author of Hebrews is talking to a group of um, Jewish believers that are apparently wondering what about this this change of seasons or indeed change of covenants. What does this mean for things like the temple and other things like old Jewish um, rituals surrounding blood sacrifice? And the author of Hebrews asserts um, you know, we belong and we've come to Mount Zion where there's the very glory of God, not to Mount Sinai where there's fear uh, at his judgment. He says, says this, um, quoting uh, the prophet Haggai. Um, and so this is Hebrews twelve twenty five. See, do you, you do not refuse him who is speaking. Um, so God himself through the word of God and through the history of Israel. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, and here's the quote from Haggai, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, Mm -hmm. that is, things that are made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Mm-hmm. So for the, for the Jewish people in first century, there was a, a of necessity, the author of Hebrews says, that yet once more I'm going to shake earth and heaven. I think that's the, uh, the very final moment that we see this, this old creation. But I think it's also in those Jewish ears, it's about the temple ending mm-hmm. and all of these institutions that they knew mm-hmm. being overthrown. And the author of Hebrews like directly says yeah. that's necessary mm-hmm. so that the kingdom of God can be rightly revealed. If we have all of these things that we're just so sure in here on earth, we won't look for a new heavens and a new earth. Yeah. So Dave, has this ever happened in history before where in the midst of crisis and everything like that, Christians have looked and said no more of this or we're looking for another <laughs> another kingdom coming Any, anything you kind of mentioned something and your conclusion on yeah. sunday aristides yeah uh, so so it's happened i mean it's happened over and over again uh with christians in different places in different times certainly the early church 
went through it um, as there was persecution that was coming down and a society that was uh, would make our perversion right now look uh, look very holy uh, and we might get there but I mean if you go back and study what was going on in that Roman Empire it was it was crazy and so uh, persecution came and and they sought Christ and they loved him and were devoted to him and they loved each other desperately and so I think I think it's happened there. I mean, we could talk about the the underground church in China uh, over the years and some of the ways that we've seen just really similar things. I heard stories from missionaries about very similar care for each other and devotion to Jesus and and uh, so so it's happened it's happened all the time. In fact, when you get to the place in in the Roman Empire where where Christianity is actually uh, made uh, a necessity. You must be a Christian in this empire. That's actually when you start to see the church lose uh, some of its vitality and faithfulness and commitment to Jesus. And so uh, there is something about suffering and shaking that brings, I, th- I think what it does is it just brings the essentials into focus, brings Christ into focus. You lose everything else and you have him, you realize you still have enough and there's a people that you're committed to who think the same thing. And so you you lean into each other and you lean into Christ. And so I, I think it's happened over and over again. We could go through a bunch of examples. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm reminded of like uh, Martin Luther in the midst of the Peasants' Revolt. So shortly after the Reformation formally began, and as many of these ideas about like we, we need not necessarily submit to the papacy or its puppet rulers like the Holy Roman Empire, you know, there was a revolt among peasants that, in, you know, maybe in large measure actually mirrors some of the later um, kind of Marxist thought in the late 1800s and early 1900s where uh, you have peasants who on the basis of their oppression and socioeconomic status, everything revolt en masse. And in the banner of this Protestant Christianity start to ravage across Germany and other parts of um, Central Europe. And, uh, you know, I can't remember the title of it, but you know, he wrote a, uh, a little treatise against the ravenous, murderous horde of peasants or something like that. <laughs> so even though they were, quote-unquote, on his side, yeah. he was like, Christians must—we we can't um, have this either this violence or this total overthrow of the social order in such a way that we just— we lose the gospel, lose the ability to speak the gospel, lose the ability to just live. Um, that's not worth it, mm-hmm. even though they were technically on— side. So what do you think, Dave? I mean, in this moment, we, we talked some about um, America and especially among um, American conservative Christians, this kind of American exceptionalism that we think about and um, lean towards. And when we say American exceptionalism, and as we've talked, we're not just talking that America is exceptional, right? because it is. Right. It is exceptional right. in the history of nations and with a lot of the ideals that uh, surrounded the founding of our country. It is exceptional in a lot of ways. Um, but what we mean when we talk about American exceptionalism um, is the kind of thought that like America is exceptional in God's eye. So that common quote, you know, Second Chronicles 714, mm-hmm. if my people, mm-hmm. you know, who are called by my name, turn to me and pray, I will heal their land. And oftentimes uh, in circles that I've grown up in, uh, even among conservative Christians today, that is taken as a one-to-one comparison for Christians mm-hmm. living in America, right. American land. And that, that kind of American exceptionalism that, right. that God has 
uh, either discernibly through providence or in even supernatural ways. There are people that claim that today has spoken in such a way that America is unique among all the nations. Right. And therefore, there's something that if we lose America as it stands today, we're losing something that God has said ought not and cannot be lost. Right. Um, you want to speak to that? Like, Yeah, I mean, what we actually did, we did a, uh, one of our earliest podcasts was about covenants. And we talked about the three elements of a covenant. So it's, there's a God and his people and a place. And so, you know, when you read that verse that you talked about from Second Chronicles, what, what we're doing, if we pray that for America, is we're saying, well, God's people, and then we're putting the place as America. And, and the problem with that, I mean, I can understand why some would take it that way. And there's, there's some truth in it, but there's a little, I think there's a little error mixed in, in that when they were praying that in Second Chronicles, that people had a covenant with their God that was directly tied to this promise of land. That, that's what was going on there. And so they're, they're not praying kind of some desperate prayer for renewal and revival. They're praying the promises of God to them based on his covenant with them. So if we're going to move forward from that, we see this, this covenant broken, and then we see Christ come and he fulfills the covenant as the perfect Israel, the perfect son, and he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I think now God's people are those from Ezekiel and Jeremiah who have the Spirit in them, who have the law written on their hearts, and God's place, the new temple, is the church. It's actually the church. So you can go to 1 Corinthians uh, 3, I think it's 17 and 18, where it talks about dwelling among them, among this, this church in Corinth, or even we even talked about Acts 4.31. You talked about it, I talked about it in the last two sermons, where the, the Spirit comes and fills them, and the place is shaken, pointing that this is the new temple. And so I think we can, still, uh, we can still go to that prayer as a reference, but when we pray it that way, the way we should be updating it in our minds as we pray it is, God, revive your people, the church. Heal your people, the church. Bring repentance to your people, the church. There is no, there is no covenant with America. And so we can't pray that on kind of a one-to-one basis. Yeah, and God did not promise the church or the Puritans or the pilgrims, um, you know, the, the land from uh, the Pacific coast mm-hmm. to the Atlantic coast. Right. Um, so I think there's a lot of, uh, I mean, these are names that I've read for a long time and thought a lot about in it. And uh, previously, 15, 20 years ago, totally agreed with, you know, David Barden, Doug Phillips, uh, people from Vision Forum, things like that, that um, whether knowingly or unknowingly um, are saying things about the founding of America and American exceptionalism in God's eyes that, I mean, at very least are not provable. Right. At very right. least. Right. And uh, if— From the Bible. Yeah, from—well, and that's that's <laughs> the standard, right? right? Right. That's the standard. Yep. So I think um, being able to just say— like whatever else might be true, let's let's talk about church exceptionalism. Yeah. In God's eyes, the church is exceptional because of what Christ has done. Yeah. Uh, it's all throughout the pages of the New, Te- New Testament, previewed in the Old Testament, especially in the prophets. Um, and there's nothing specific about America. Right. And so when we see, you know, 
riots taking place on the left or the right, you know, for, for various things. And we certainly would all say no one's condoning violence, but we have to be able to look and say America is among the nations in Psalm 2. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. It's among mm-hmm. the nations in Psalm 2 that rage against the Lord and against his anointed. Mm-hmm. And within this country, mm-hmm. we ought be those, like Israel in exile, God continuously calls the New Testament church exiles. Mm-hmm. Um, we ought be those that seek the good of where we're at Amen. and all the ma- means that we have mm-hmm. and not ultimately or even, I would say, uh, very much at all vest hope in the way that things have been or the way that things will continue and we have this this stability in a country that could easily be shaken at any time as we've seen yep that's right any closing words yeah just to say you know as we talk about these things none of this is to say that we can't be a grateful people for where we are and the freedoms we have and want to see those continue you know i'm i'm grateful for uh, politicians and policies that represent the sanctity of life, the sanctity of marriage, God-given gender, all those things because they matter. They glorify God, and therefore, like you said, they uh, serve the flourishing of people. So the glory of God and the flourishing of people. And then also, like you said, all, all we're saying is uh, you can't put your hope there because uh, America is not the kingdom of God. And and that I hope that isn't a... Uh, hope that doesn't feel like a downer or frustrating to people. I hope instead as the church filled with the Spirit, the new temple of God, I hope that that just feels very, very settling and hopeful Yeah. because our kingdom, the one we're a part of, not because of us, but because of our king, yeah, amen. will never be shaken yeah, amen. ever. And, yep. and there's a day coming when all the nations that are raging will be brought low and the new heavens and the new earth will come and every tear will be wiped away. And we're going to be, wait. we are going to be with Jesus uh, forever face to face. Amen. Amen. That's the hope of our calling. Yeah. If you're listening to this and that resonates with you deeply, you know, as pastors here at South Campus, we are eager to help everyone set their eyes upward and forward. And if you're listening to this and you're wondering more about like, what do you mean by American exceptionalism and things like that? Well, we want to talk. We want to talk about what that means, exactly what we mean neither to belittle our country nor to exalt it out of proportion for what it is, but just simply to say, this is what God has called us as a people to. And yes, let us protect our freedoms and not turn them into idols.